Hello and welcome back to Blue Valley's podcast. I am your host and Superintendent Todd White. Well, we've had a fantastic year and uh, it's hard to believe that it's coming to a close. I think with all of the uh, snow days that we had uh, this winter, it just kind of goofed up our biorhythms. I was actually shocked when I looked at the calendar one day and said, oh my goodness, uh, graduations are right around the corner. And of course, now they have uh, concluded as um, as we record this, and um, we're looking at the last few days of school, and field days are in abundance, and so it's just a it's a great time of year um, as we graduate our students and we close a academic year down. I look forward to the uh, summer activities. But uh, prior to doing that, we thought that we might recap um, our podcast year with you, our inaugural year. And uh, just kind of go back and give you an opportunity to kind of reflect on some of the things that uh, that we talked about. Uh, we began the uh, the year uh, looking at blended learning, and uh, we met with our director of blended learning, Brad Mosier, and the work that he was doing with our impact studies, both uh, elementary and secondary, and our power up as we launched our uh, One to Learner initiative, uh, sixth through 12th grades, and then we uh, went out to Aubrey Bend Middle School and sat down with Diana Tate in order to uh, to receive a principal's perspective on the opportunity to engage our learners with uh, uh, deeper understandings, but also resources, uh, namely their uh, technology tools. And so uh, blended learning with Brad Mosier and Diana Tate. You know, blended learning, it's its not about the technology, right. and it's all about finding what's appropriate, what's effective, right. and and use it for what it's good for, and that don't use it when it's not needed or, or not good. And I'd say the same thing about, uh, about screen time. You know, right. uh, we got to find balance in that. What would you tell parents re- regarding the issuance of a technology device and the safety that mm-hmm. that it has? I would say that's been the number one question I've gotten from parents. Right. And I think... The answer is twofold. Number one, our district has done a phenomenal job in finding this uh, filter mm, that is yeah. going to keep kids safe here at school and on their device, no matter where they take it. Right. I firmly believe, however, that there's no filter better than a parent or guardian. Parents and guardians know their kids the best, and the more they can have a conversation and and just Keep track of what they're doing online. I I think that is the best filter we could ever have. As you know, uh, mental health has been um, a large issue for us in terms of concentration uh, of work and activity. We have um, our inaugural year of the Zero Reasons Why campaign led by our students and uh, we also had community members that were certainly involved in that and came together. And so we gave you a good opportunity to hear from Adam Hamilton, pastor of Church of the Resurrection, who um, we were just so thankful that Adam was not only uh, able to spend time with us in the podcast, but more importantly, was able to give us much of his time over the school year to uh, meet and talk with other leaders throughout Johnson County and our six school districts in Johnson County to talk about teen suicide and mental health. We also talked with uh, Zero Reasons Why um, leader and representative of the Blue Valley School District, Roy Swenson. He's a a, a student at Blue Valley North uh, High School, and um, what a wonderful opportunity for us to sit and talk to Roy and listen to both the strength and the passion and the opportunity that he possesses um, not only individually, but certainly as a uh, opportunity to lead the work 
uh, from a student perspective. So please enjoy Adam Hamilton and Roy Swinton. I think it's tough to parent and it's also frightening to parent because sometimes you you know you don't see the signs or you your kids are depressed and you you know you begin to worry that you know I want my kid to be safe, and sometimes they don't want to let you in, right. especially when you're talking to teenagers. You know, they're, the door's shut, and they don't really want to talk. I don't want to talk to you now. And and uh, and so, you know, I do think that continuing the willingness to continue to have conversations with your kids and say, look, I care so much about you, and there is so much hope. I mean, just to be able to have the conversation, mm-hmm. I think it's important. And then, you know, to be able to say, will you promise me that you're going to reach out for help if you ever feel that way? I think I heard you say a couple of months ago at one of our meetings that we need to treat uh, mental health like we have physical health. Yeah, and the idea there is that athletes, you know, they can't participate in the sport they want to participate in unless they get a physical. But there's nothing for mental health. There's no checkups to see if you're okay. Uh, It's really on you to make sure that you uh, voice your problems, and that's extremely difficult for kids. So I, I like to see that turned around a bit and have it so, you know, sometimes we're asking them. Well, as you know, safety and security is always top of mind uh, for us. Yet again, uh, this spring, we've had um, additional school shootings. um, And um, we we always and in all ways continue to think about safety and security, both from a physical standpoint as well as, as we mentioned earlier, uh, health and uh, mental wellness. And we had the opportunity to sit down with Dan Carney, who is our director of safety and security, and um, leads us in a in a very proactive manner in terms of constantly thinking about uh, how we can uh, do this work uh, in a very innovative way, but certainly in a very effective way. And then we had the opportunity to talk with uh, Scott Roberts and Dr. Chris Jensen. Scott is the uh, principal of Blue Valley Southwest, and um, thankfully, Chris Jensen is a teacher for us, although he, he's a a MD and certainly could uh, have another path of passion for his work, but we're so thankful that he's spending time with our students teaching them. And, and our conversation there really kind of centered on vaping. And um, and I, I look forward to the results of our work in trying to curb and educate um, this um, really rapidly growing and uh, unsettling uh, occurrence for our students in terms of the the vaping that is occurring, um, but uh, it, it was really an important conversation for us to have about safety and security, but also specifically about vaping uh, to both educate and uh, help you understand uh, both the harmful effects and the opportunities that we have in order to eradicate that. So enjoy listening about safety and security and vaping with Dan Carney, Scott Roberts, and Dr. Chris Jensen. A young man uh, posted a suicide note uh, online. A couple of our students used the TIPS app to submit that they had seen this. So this is an app that they put on their phones and they can anonymously text a TIP and it goes straight to the TIPS hotline which is monitored 24-7 and uh, the intervention in the mom's words saved her son's life. I was astonished when I just did a Google search of I think I did vaping devices and went to images and what came up I was like that could be in anyone's backpack. We had one where one blew up in a kid's backpack, burned his backpack in a classroom. We had to use a fire extinguisher. If that had been in that young man's mouth at the time, he would have had third-degree burns all over us. I mean, could have done permanent damage. You know, not only are there accidents with it, Scott, but um, it's so easy to use that toddlers can pick it up. Mm. 
So you might have an older child in your house who's using a vape device. Perhaps a younger kid finds it in a drawer. And we've seen an astronomical increase through poison centers across the United States of nicotine overdoses in the age of seven and under. As transitions occur from one school year to the next, we also have a transition of leadership in the Blue Valley School District. So I announced my retirement in June of 2020, a few months ago, and the board also announced that the successor, uh, the next superintendent uh, in the Blue Valley School District will be Dr. Tanya Merrigan. Tanya has been here for a number of years, nearly 20, serving in a variety of different roles, and we had the opportunity to sit down with Tanya and um, learn more about her and uh, who she is and the opportunities that she sees going forward for the Blue Valley School District. So please enjoy your incoming superintendent and our conversation with Dr. Tanya Merrigan. I have said to many people that I I have been here a long time and I bleed Blue Valley Blue. Mm, Uh, You know, I'm excited that I get to stay uh, in this community and to serve this community for several years to come. And it's, I know that this is a gift Uh, You know, that's the the conversation I've had with many people is there not very many people who get an opportunity to really work alongside somebody for a whole year, knowing that you're eventually going to take that over. Um, That that is a gift. and, And I absolutely cherish and appreciate that responsibility. Well, as you can see, we've had a very busy year this year, a very productive one. Uh, and uh, many topics that we have uh, explored this year. But we've got a few things that will be happening both over the summer as we look forward to the 1920 school year. And joining me now is our Executive Director of Curriculum and Instruction and Innovation, Dr. Kelly Ott. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. Oh, you bet. And uh, really kind of talk about the things that are um, exciting and kind of new and things that we've been working on this year to kind of both investigate as well as deploy over the school year. So what are some of the things that our listeners need to know in in anticipation of uh, the upcoming school year? Right. So all all of our efforts are in in the direction of providing students with a student-centered and future-ready learning experience. And so uh, how that looks at all the different levels is different. And we uh, are doing lots of research and and finding new ways for kids to experience learning. One of probably the most exciting things happening is um, working on providing all elementary students with equitable access to technology across all 21 elementary schools. Right. We just completed our impact study. Correct. Right. Um, Lots of great work, great participation from the teachers Mm -hmm. in this study, Um, lots of surveying, and we talked to kids, we talked to teachers, we talked to parents, and um, there's a consensus around technology being an amazing tool, Mm -hmm. but there's also consensus around wanting to make sure our students are safe and we have healthy and age-appropriate screen time. So not only are we looking at the academic components of of technology use in the classroom, but also healthful ones. So... As our listeners may remember, as we talked um, to Brad Mosier and Diana Tate early on about our blended learning at the secondary level, we we did an intensive study, and we asked ourselves uh, three very important questions um, uh, about that. None of it was honestly about the device. It's all about the learning and about our infrastructure, but also about keeping kids safe. We also asked ourselves four questions, right? at the elementary impact study. So just briefly talk about those. And I guess what I'd like for our listeners to know is is that 
Uh, we really have studied this. I Absolutely. Mean, <laughs> I mean, there's been hordes of data that, that we've uh, sought out and then sifted through in order to try to make the, the very best decisions going forward and long term. So uh, just give our listeners a little feel for the intensity of that study sure. and really kind of the questions that we were probing. Right. So the study lasted over several weeks this spring. The first question was around what devices are appropriate for, for students at different levels. And we knew going in that uh, what may work for a kindergartner may may not work for a fifth grader or vice right. versa. So we were very open to and we were thinking in terms of being agnostic and making sure that the, the device is appropriate. So we looked Meaning at, that we didn't care whether it was a Chromebook or an Apple product. It, it's what's best for students it's and what's their best, teachers. Right? Correct. And what gives kids the best <clears throat> access and the best experience. Um, and right there, just a super close second, is the experience for teachers right. and keeping it efficient. So the first question was around what device. So we piloted um, some devices and got them in hands of kids and in teachers' classrooms and got feedback from both those groups. The second question was around the ratio, uh, the distribution ratio. So mm. is it a one-to-learner type situation, or is it is it more of a two-to-one at the different levels? So, we, so sharing one as opposed to it being a personal device for use. Correct, okay. correct. And we knew going <laughs> in that we did not want to send devices home like we did at the secondary level. So uh, that, that factored into the, the decision-making and the data collection also. One of the distinctions between the secondary and the elementary, one we, we refer to this as one to stay, meaning that it stays at school. Correct. Versus our secondary is a one-to-one where they carried home and you know were able to do Correct. homework and yeah they, the academic demands and the curricular demands don't didn't the data right. didn't seem to require that and so um that's all that's something we'll continue to study mm-hmm. and if things change we'll, we'll absolutely go back to and look at that decision but for now it'll be once to stay uh, the third question was around just making sure that the infrastructure worked and that the, the logon experience was efficient and effective for, for the elementary level, um, knowing that it's a little bit more difficult for kindergartners to manage multiple <laughs> passwords. <laughs> if anybody wants that experience right. of helping kindergartners get in and log in, that's right. a, that you, you would understand. Um, so that was, a, that was a very important question to our teachers. Uh, so we worked closely with the IT department around single sign-on, um, actually using some, some other ways and other uh, programs to help get kids on devices quickly and manage their profile and keep their work kind of um, secure. The, and th- that question really is about the making sure that there's not a loss of instructional time. Exactly. Because it's, it's all precious to us and, and ensuring that when we, when we have time to be able to get kids logged on, it can be done in an effective manner. And, Correct. And it's really not cumbersome for the teachers because the truth is if it's, if it's extremely cumbersome, we probably won't be utilizing the devices as they should. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it won't be the seamless, the seamless tool that we're, we're hoping for it to be. So and then that last question is probably should have been the first question, frankly, uh, is around the healthy and age appropriate use of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of data out there and lots of research. However, there's no definitive answer on a, on a number. Um, so our plans are to take um, the resources out there. Um, and provide guidelines to teachers around healthy use, uh, make sure that we're minimizing any sort of recreational use. Right. Um, one, of the, one of the data points we used in this study was the customer satisfaction survey that our communications department um, did, where um, there was a concern around recreational use 
mm-hmm. of, of technology that our parents um, shared. But the academic use, uh, there was less concern around that. So we want to make sure we embrace that data and and make sure that these devices are used f- mainly for learning purposes. Yeah. I, I think that's a critically important uh, component of the study, but also something to point out here for our listeners is the fact that we really are looking at ensuring uh, that this is done in a very appropriate way, this being the deployment of um, our one to stay and the impact study and the power up that that will occur uh, next year for our teachers and our parents and our and our students but we we really have no expectation and certainly don't want kids you know having their face stuck in a screen Absolutely all day not. long I mean, it, that's not. just not going to happen and this study has shown that there are some appropriate uh time frames uh for us to attend to and um i think that the one that i saw the other day of course it's different for kindergarten k you know k1 and 2 versus 4 or 5 right there's yes. a distinction there but um we have probably, uh, and I'm going to guesstimate, around 400 minutes that students are with us on a daily basis. And we're talking about use that is less than a half an hour. Absolutely. When we did the the secondary study, we were able to get metrics on, on usage. And on average, of course, it's a general statement, but right. on average, we were able to say that students were using uh, technology logged in the computer um, 10 to 15 minutes a class period, which we felt was a very appropriate amount of time. Um, it's also a piece that we're going to continue to monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the devices that we're looking at putting in classrooms allow us to do that with some dashboard. So um, we'll continue to monitor that and make sure that, that we're keeping our kids safe in, in all sorts of ways. Yeah, I, I might just uh, put a plug in for some of the safety safety pieces and switch uh, just for a moment to our secondary piece. Um, We sent out a a video not too long ago about Securely Home, uh, which is an app that uh, parents can download, put on a computer or a a mobile device, and it really gives them the opportunity to set some parameters around the school-issued device but for their child so they can shut off the the Internet connectivity at 9 o'clock every night if they so choose. And so we, we really want uh, parents to download that app. So if you're listening and, and you have a 6th through 12th grade student and uh, haven't done that, we just appreciate you going to your store, whether it's Android or Apple, downloading that and making sure that, again, this is control for parents, uh, for us to coordinate and collaborate on making sure that our kids have the appropriate screen time and, and are safe uh, throughout their, their experience. It's a partnership at both levels. So um, as we put devices in elementary and secondary, um, we're hoping parents reach out and, right. and engage with us around um, what they believe to be appropriate and um, we'll just work through it and, and see where it goes. Yeah. So our parents can look forward to uh, some more information, elementary, K yep. through 5, uh, about a power-up procedure, as we've um, referred to it in our secondary, and we'll replicate that a little bit, but it's a lot of training, it's a lot of information, uh, meetings with uh, teachers and principals, so be looking for that for that next year, and we'll certainly hide th- highlight that through our podcast uh, as well. So um, a couple of other things that I know that uh, we've been working hard on and uh, want to highlight here uh, for our listeners, uh, talk a little bit about our literacy work. Now, we're, we're specifically maybe targeting earlier in the conversation about elementary, 
um, impact study in technology, but this literacy work is really kind of K through 12. It's throughout the system. Correct. correct? Yeah. So literacy, of course, is, is a gateway to full participation in society. Right. And um, what is considered literacy is evolving, and we're mm. studying that and making sure that students have the, the skills to be able to read and write and speak and listen in, in the world that they're going to enter into. At the secondary level, um, there's a focus on what we're calling disciplinary literacy. And this, so tell us a little bit about that. What yeah, does that mean? Disciplinary literacy um, is a little different than what in the past we, we used the word content area literacy. Mm. Disciplinary literacy is about giving kids communication skills, reading, writing, listening, thinking skills, so that they can access learning within a discipline. Meaning, so within a math within a area or science history. Or science. history. Okay. So it's looking in its simplest terms, it's it's looking at how does a historian use literacy skills mm. to um, digest and engage and communicate about history or geography or civics? How does a scientist use literacy skills, reading, writing, um, thinking, listening, and around doing experiments and in- inquiries? Yeah. And so while it looks a little different in each content area, the teachers have embraced this in a huge way because what it means for them, it means their kids learn their discipline or their content area at a deeper level right. and are able to express themselves in different ways. So we've done a lot of work around disciplinary literacy and using literacy to deepen learning across the board. Awesome. And I know that uh, you and your team have been spending a lot of time uh, with our teachers in professional learning and having these deep dives relative to um, uh, to this work. So if, if I'm a parent of a high school student or a middle school elementary student, what, what should I expect? Am I going to see or feel it or hear anything differently for my, for my child? Yeah, I, th- I think your, your student's learning experience may change. For example, in math, you may see your students writing about their math thinking more mm, than they have in the Writing about path. math. Writing about math. Yeah. And uh, it's one of the best ways to explain yourself and understand how you're, you're thinking. It's a great way for teachers to evaluate and give feedback on how kids are attacking math problems mm. and creating math solutions around math. Um, in, in history, it may mean that, that students are doing some speaking and listening activities Mm-hmm. Uh, more so in the past. Right. So the teachers are, are embarking on this journey. It, it's not a it's not particularly new research, but it's research right. applied in a different way. Right. And they are developing um, some key skills, literacy skills for their content that departments are working on um, six twelve. Uh, to develop uh, as a kid um, gets older and, and the content gets a little bit more complex. And we're hoping that these skills let them perform at higher levels. Great. And this has a connection back to some of the other work that um, that you certainly uh, chaired, and that was that portrait of a graduate, Correct. right? Because yeah. these, these skills of speaking and listening and critically thinking were identified throughout our community by our parents and our business leaders. At every level. Right. Every single level. When you talk to employers um, and you ask them what are those skills that you that, that the most successful people in your organization, especially young people coming mm. out of school, have, uh, communication is always in the top of their list. Um, the ability to communicate in different ways, right. so in, in, in longer ways, in shorter ways, through email, um, face-to-face communication. Um, With the emphasis on technology, it has not lost on us that we need to make sure our students Mm. are able to have 
conversations and dialogue around topics and speak and in front of a group. Speak be in able front to of a group. Deliver Sup- both information, yep. but also do it maybe in a convincing way. Yeah, to get across an idea. Or Super concept. important skill. Absolutely yeah. imperative. And in our community, we tell us our, our families tell that tell us that too. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about make, wanting to make sure their students are great communicators. So um, this this only um, bolsters that work. Right. So, which kind of leads, I think, to the next topic I wanted to touch on just a little bit. So we've we've also been asking ourselves some serious questions um, as an organization, as uh, as schools, about um, how we're providing feedback to our parents relative to these types of experiences about literacy work and how how we're engaging in in their learning at a deeper level because. Uh, it, it requires that, right? Don't you? Th- this partnership requires good yeah. information between two people, mm-hmm. and and for a teacher and a parent to partner, and even the student, I, I would I would engage the mm. student when they age, when they're when they get to be aged that they're able to, um, when everybody understands where the goal is and where the student is on that journey to that goal, um, then the, the, the trio can work together. And so one of the things we're going to be looking at next year, particularly at the elementary level, is how to give good, actionable feedback around students' performance with, in, with relation to their, the, the state standards in our curriculum. So right. parents and teachers know exactly where they are. The students know where they are and where they're headed. Um, we also are, are looking at how do we give feedback on social-emotional competencies and work mm, habits? Right. Because you know that's absolutely imperative to have that skill set, too, to be successful in the academic realm and then in their futures in a professional realm. So how do we give feedback on skills? Um, sometimes um, behaviors are symptoms right. to an underlying skill gap. Certainly. And so if we have a student who isn't um, paying attention in class or turning in homework, um, we're starting to ask, what's the skill we need to help the student develop? What should we cultivate in that student so that behavior changes and they're more successful? So um, that's definitely a study that's on the horizon of how are we going to give our families and our teachers and our students better feedback about process, their progress and, and um, allow them to work together to make sure the kids are successful. So a question I asked just a little bit ago, if I were, a, in, in this case, if I'm an elementary parent or a grandparent, which I am, <laughs> how, what might I expect to see or hear next year as we embark upon this conversation about feedback and collaboration? Good question. Um, one, one thing we're looking at is the elementary report card and the information that's included in that. And, okay. and could it be better? Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking to teachers about how to give communi- uh, how to give feedback and what information is most actionable and most helpful in the partnership. Um, this is really about dialoguing about a kid's uh, um, capacities and abilities right. and, and setting a path for them that's personalized. Mm-hmm. And we can only do that. That, uh, with good good conversations, um, utilizing technology in some cases. I right. know Seesaw is a really mm, um, yeah, yeah. big big tool used at right. the elementary level. How does the grade card or the report card figure into that? So we're looking at it from lots of different ways on how to get all parties great feedback. Good. So our parents should expect that they're both going to see and hear some dialogue that would occur, some mm-hmm. asking them for some opinion and some mm-hmm. feedback mm-hmm. Um, as we as we build this um, in in going forward. So, so I, I always end with each uh, of our guests um, asking in 
you, you'll recognize these questions. They're, they come from the three by three. So, you know, what, what should we uh, start doing? And the, uh, we've talked about a lot of that today <laughs> uh, here. What should we um, continue to do? Because there, there are some things that uh, have made Blue Valley Blue Valley that we know that we want to continue to do. And then the uh, most difficult one, I think, is, um, you know, what, what do we take off the, the plate so that it, the plate doesn't grow into a platter? And um, so you, you can take your pick on any of those to start, to continue, or to stop. And um, you have the last word. Um, I think one thing we need to continue to do is have an open, innovative mindset where we mm. honor the work of the past and, and use research and our experiences, but be open to a better future. And that can only be done through an um, innovative mindset. Um, one thing we may um, want to look at doing in the future is really trying to leverage technology in a different way, not just substituting a worksheet for an online mm. form, right. but how are we going to leverage technology to make sure students are ready for their future? Mm. I think we ha- we have a lot of a lot of learning to do about that around that, and um, I can't wait to see where that leads us. Awesome. Um, what do we need to stop doing? I th- I think the era of memorizing or being centered on facts and mm. and um, and worrying about um, things that are discrete and not integrated are is is a, an era that is past. Mm. And I think we need to look at what we're doing to develop skills rather than inject kids with facts. Sure. And I think we're already on that path. I don't think that's a, a thing, but um, I do think in some cases we're trying to do. That and, hmm. and sometimes we need to just take a step back and make it make it more manageable. Awesome. Well, um, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Kelly Ott, our executive director of curriculum and instruction and innovation, uh, aptly uh, titled because of the work that we just described, both innovative as well as uh, deep dives into instruction and curriculum. Uh, all bent on an opportunity for us to uh, get better at our craft so that our students can have their very best day. Absolutely. Thank you. You bet. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of you for listening to Toddcast this past year. It's been my pleasure to both host and be your superintendent. And we look forward to you reconnecting with us as the school year begins for the 1920 school year. Until then, have a great and safe summer. And as always, go out and make it your Blue Valley best day.